0: Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Several people sent me notes about an Institute for Justice case that just got launched in North Carolina. And I agree with this one wholeheartedly. And it has to do with legal advice in North Carolina being dispensed by people who aren't lawyers. And the question, of course, is what is legal advice and and is there a form of legal advice that you wouldn't have to be a lawyer to help somebody with. And that's what this boils down to. So the First Amendment's protection for free speech isn't limited to political advocacy or expressions of personal opinion. It extends to speech on all topics. Now, this is directly from the website, the Institute for Justice. And uh, so I'm reading to you what they write. That includes expert advice that people earn a living providing an area known as occupational speech Indeed, for many Americans, this sort of expert advice is among the most valuable speech for helping people navigate the real problems they face in their day-to-day lives. So this is true of legal advice, which is why a couple people here co-founded the North Carolina Justice for All project. The North Carolina Justice for All project. They started that in 2020, and it's the JFAP. Their mission is to expand access to legal advice for low-income people in North Carolina. But North Carolina's broad prohibition on the unauthorized practice of law stands in its way. And that gives, of course, licensed lawyers a monopoly on providing legal advice. That's why GFAP and two of its members have joined with the Institute for Justice to file a federal lawsuit to vindicate their right to provide both free and paid legal advice regarding court-created forms. They're basically saying, we want to help people fill out court forms. Court forms. And by the way, I've got one right here. We'll, 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 we'll do this in just a second. America is in the midst of an access-to-justice crisis for many Americans facing routine legal issues. Uh, hiring a lawyer to navigate these problems is simply unaffordable. And this is not a problem limited to the poor. It is also a problem for the missing middle, those who earn too much to qualify for the free legal assistance for those who are underprivileged, but not enough to afford a lawyer. The inevitable result is that many Americans must navigate the legal system on their own, and trust me, that can be a nightmare. Responding to these concerns, many courts have created standardized forms with instruction packets for routine legal issues. But for lay people, these forms can still be intimidating or confusing. So what many people could use is some simple advice on how to fill the form out. Unfortunately, America's broad prohibition on the unauthorized practice of law makes this advice hard to come by. State laws give licensed lawyers a monopoly on providing even basic legal advice. And as with all monopolies, the results are higher prices and fewer choices. So the JFAP was organized to address these needs. The nonprofit advocacy group has lobbied for legislative changes in North Carolina that would improve access to justice by introducing a limited licensing system for paraprofessionals and by relaxing the current rules for nonprofit organizations on who can provide basic legal advice. But despite initial interest, from some members of the legislature, the judiciary, and the state bar. The proposals eventually encountered significant obstacles within the judiciary and the bar before finally hitting a brick wall in the state senate. But the rights of JFAP and the North Carolinians, it hopes to help, don't turn on legislative grace. And under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, it shouldn't have to. So the Institute for Justice filed a lawsuit on January 4th, just a couple days ago, to get this matter settled by the courts. And again, they're not saying they want anybody who wants to to hang out a shingle and go, I have legal advice. You want legal advice, I'll sell you some legal advice. They've got these people here who'd like to help others fill out court forms. And that's in this gray area where I don't think it takes a lawyer to fill one out. And some of them were designed to not take lawyers. But unfortunately, because these forms are drafted by courts and judges and lawyers, Even the simple ones become complicated. So I have here in my hand an affidavit and claim for small claims from Michigan. Okay, this is the Michigan Small Claims Court lawsuit in essence, okay? Small Claims Court, of course, where you can go and file a case on your own without an attorney and pursue it and possibly get all the way through to a verdict without an attorney. So if there's ever an action that you'd say, well, you shouldn't need an attorney for that, right? It's a small claims court case. So I have here, it's the SCAO Approved Form DC84. And this is from the state of Michigan. At the top, it says Affidavit and Claim for for small claims. And the first thing that will probably confuse people is it says State of Michigan Judicial District. What's that? Oh, that's where you put in the court. You put in the court what district court you're in. Because small claims court cases get filed in district court. Now, believe it or not, in Michigan, while many of the courts are in separate buildings, district courts there and circuit courts there, there are some areas where they've got both courts under the same roof. And so a person would need to know that although I might be standing in the county courthouse, I've got to file this in the judicial district court for whatever district my claim arose in. That's the kind of thing that Anybody can explain it to you who knows that. You don't have to be a lawyer to know that. That's, that's not like a hidden, mystical, legal secret they taught you in law school. And then you got to fill in the court address, court telephone number. It's his case number and judge. How do I know that? Oh, you don't know that till the case gets assigned. Sorry. See, you leave that blank. But it doesn't say leave blank for clerk. There's just a blank there. Then it says plaintiff address, city, state, zip, and phone number. Who's the plaintiff? Oh, you are if you're filing the suit. You are the plaintiff. Okay, good to know. Defendant, that's the person you're suing. Okay, okay. Now, there is one thing over here. This is for court use only. So I'm guessing I can skip that, right? Yes, you can. Number three, a civil action between these parties or other parties arising out of the transaction or occurrence alleged in this complaint has been previously filed in. There's a bunch of choices. This court, another court is given a case number assigned to a judge. What? And what you don't know is they ask that question to keep people from refiling the same cases over and over again, but because it's the third thing you fill out and it's the first thing that actually is beyond your name and address, it seems important. But you go, I haven't filed a previous action, so what do I do here? Oh, you just leave that little box blank. That's all. Skip it. Skip it. You've never filed a suit before? Skip it. But it doesn't say, if not, skip three. And I can see why that would be confusing to people. Four, I have knowledge or belief about all the facts stated in this affidavit, and I am, and it's pick one, but it doesn't say pick one, but, but it does say the plaintiff or his guardian, conservator, or next friend, a partner, a full time employee of the plaintiff. Okay. The plaintiff is an individual, partnership, corporation, sole proprietor. Okay. What's an LLC? <laughs> it's not listed as one of the choices here. The defendant is an individual, partnership, corporation, sole proprietor. The date or dates the claim arose is, are here. And this is attached separate sheets of necessary. Wait, how many dates do you have? How could you possibly have more than one date? Could you have more than one date? And again, this is something that the average person going no, it arose on June 13th. June 13th is the day I gave the guy my money he didn't give me what I prom- What he promised me. That's it, right? The amount of money claimed is, and there's a dollar sign, and it does say specifically to not add in your court costs. Those will be uh, awarded or addressed separately. And then it says, nine, the reasons for the claim are, colon, and it has four lines, and that's it. It does not say attach separate sheets if necessary. And the reasons for the claim is asking you, what's the underlying basis of your claim? It's a breach of contract? Did they steal money from you? Did you pay them to do something they didn't do it? What, what's, what's the basis of your small claim? What is it? It goes there. Can you attach a separate sheet if necessary despite the fact it doesn't say that you can? And the answer, of course, is yes, you can. But it doesn't say that. Why doesn't it say that? Who knows? So it says you can attach a separate sheet to the date your claim arose, but not to the reason for your claim. So that's confusing. And it's probably poorly written. But that's the way it is. And then it says, number 10, the plaintiff understands and accepts that the claim is limited to $7,000 by law. And the plaintiff gives up the right to, A, recover more than this limit, B, an attorney, C, a jury trial, and D, appeal the judge's decision. Okay, so you understand that? Okay, that's, that's pretty straightforward. Next page it does say, I believe the defendant is or is not mentally competent, is or is not 18 years or older. Uh, and then you have to check, I do not know whether the defendant is in the military service or the defendant is not in the military service or the defendant is in the military service. Okay, and then there's a place where you sign it and then it has to be notarized. Do they have a notary here at the counter? They probably do, but... And then it does say additional notice and instructions, and it tells you things to prepare your case. And if you're a defendant being sued, how that works. And oh, by the way, there is a proof of service right here that someone's got to fill out, and that right there is just as confusing as what I just read to you. Now, I'll admit that the average person, the average person who can read well and has the time to think about this stuff, can figure out most of it, most of it. But I've gotten a lot of phone calls from very intelligent people who said, Steve, you know, I saw a video you did. You said you can take some of small claims court. I'm doing it. I got this form in front of me, and I'm curious. I go, okay, what's that? What does number three mean where it says a civil action has been previously filed? What are they getting at there? And I say, oh, have you previously sued these people? No, skip it. Well, (laughs) it's such a prominent statement at number three. Why is it there? And I have to say, oh, because they have problems with people who will lose a case and then go, oh, I'll go sue them in small claims court. Well, you can't. Small claims court is just another court. You can't just keep suing somebody because you keep losing. You get to sue them in essence once, okay? But that right there, is something that's so early in the form that it confuses people. And all someone's got to do is ask you that question. Have you sued them before? Have you been to court over this yet? No. Okay, skip it. Oh, because there is no if-no skip or anything like that. It just says a civil action between these parties or other parties arising out of the transaction or occurrence alleged complaint has been previously filed. Makes it sound like they know something you don't know. <laughs> so... I have no problem with somebody helping somebody else fill out a form. Especially if the person helping them does not misleadingly say, by the way, I am an attorney. So if if there's some legal help clinic someplace or a group like this, Justice for All Project, and they say, we've got people here familiar with the forms that you may want to fill out when you go to court. And you go in there and you go, can somebody help me with this? I've got to file a small claims court case. Can somebody help me with this? Yes, we can help you. Someone sits down with you, and they introduce themselves, and they say, hi, I am just a law clerk, or I am just a paralegal, or I'm just whatever, whatever you want to call it, but, they, but if they're clear that I am not an attorney, and by the way, I'm not giving you legal advice, and you might say, but Steve, if all you're doing is filling in the blanks, how could you be giving legal advice? Oh, you could. You could get into legal advice. The reasons for my claim are. So someone comes in, sits down, and says, I want you to help me fill the form out. And, and, and you're helping me fill the form out. And they get to the reasons for my claim are. And you go, okay, what happened to you? And they go, well, I, I went over to my neighbor's house and I was walking up the front walk And um, I tripped over something and broke my leg. What do you think I should put there? Now, do you know what you put there? You say, write down what you just told me. And that's not legal advice. To to simply write down, I went to visit my neighbor, was walking up the front walk, tripped and broke my leg. Because that's what happened. Now, if I said, wait a second. Did you trip over something open and obvious? Was it concealed? Do you know they have insurance? No. See, that's, that's, that's where you start getting into legal issues. And, and so because small claims is designed for people who aren't lawyers, judges get people in front of them all the time who say things like, I was walking on this other person's property. I tripped and fell and broke my leg. And the judge knows, oh, okay, we're talking about premises liability. But if you going into small claims court go, I have a premises liability claim, your honor, a judge might look at you and go, did someone help you fill this form out? (laughs) So the real key is, is the person giving you legal advice by helping you fill out this form? And it can be done without giving you legal advice. And it can be done by simply saying, oh, you're the plaintiff, your name goes here. They're the defendant, their name goes here. And, for instance, you know some of this stuff, it does say the defendant is, and you have to pick, an individual, partnership, corporation, sole proprietor. That's the kind of thing where I've seen somebody go, I don't know. And you go, what do you mean you don't know? Well, the guy mows my lawn and damaged something while mowing my lawn, and he's got a a, a truck with a name on the side of it. So do I sue him, or do I sue the company name with the name on the side? And you might get into some issues like that, but if you know the person's name you sue them as an individual, you sue them as an individual. Uh, but if it turns out that the guy actually has a company and it's all properly done with the corporate papers and so on, but keep in mind that once the lawsuit is filed, presumably you might be able to change some of this stuff and amend it down the road. You won't be able to raise the amount you sue for, things of that nature. But as far as knowing whether a person is a corporation or a sole proprietor or an LLC or whatever, that's not as important. But the key here is, that the person who's helping you fill out the form doesn't have to give you legal advice to give you help with the form. And so I agree with the Institute for Justice on this. They just filed the suit. We'll see what happens. But this fight is happening in many places. And the weird part about it is, is that I, as an attorney, don't want to see people who have no legal training, no legal knowledge, just, you know, they they watched a couple YouTube videos, I don't want to see people like that going out and going, hey, I can give you legal advice. I'm just as smart as anybody else. I know it all. What do you you want to know? Give me some money, and I'll I'll help you do legal problems. That's where problems happen. But somebody helping somebody else fill out a form, I got no problem with that at all. So that's regarding North Carolina Legal Advice and the Institute for Justice. They filed the lawsuit just a couple days ago. Allison and Gwen both tipped me off to that. And I'm going to put the Institute for Justice's website beneath this video in the description box. You should support them. They do great work. But if nothing else, bookmark their website and check it out often because quite often they follow these kinds of lawsuits. They're doing good work. Questions your comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Leto's Law. There are three ingredients in the good life. Learning, earning, and yearning.